Welcome to another episode of Indiana Politics. I'm Deb Chubb, and we are very excited to be here today with James Wells, who is a announced candidate for the vice chair position of the Indiana Democratic Party. So um, first, James, we just met today, so I would love it if you would tell us more about yourself. Well, thank you for having me on, Deborah. Um, I have to um, say, <laughs> where do I even begin? Um, for most people who know me, I'm from Gary, Indiana. I was born, raised there um, since 1994. Um, went off to school uh, to get my bachelor's from Ball State University. Afterwards, I settled in Carmel, working a job in the apartment industry, then went off into banking for a while after that. Um, and shortly after that, worked part-time jobs at both Amazon and Men's Warehouse before uh, then being able to finally uh, work where I currently do for Mayor Hogsett um, in his administration as a mayor's neighborhood advocate. Oh, excellent. Oh, that's excellent. I love those positions. I think they're so important. I wish more cities would do that. Uh, this, you know, just engaging people in the community. I think, you know, anybody, you know, like you and I who are involved in organizing, you know, realize how important it is to, you know, find people where they are and mm -hmm. um, engage them and help them, yeah. you know, help and, communities in that way. And the great thing about the position I'm in is that it's dedicated to being a, basically a go-to person for uh, residents. We have a team of 10 Mayor's Neighborhood Advocates, um, our acronym is MNA, um, as people will um, come to uh, hear about us or call up their MNA. Um, and we're really there to answer uh, their questions, concerns, help them get their um, issues resolved when they put in requests about a pothole or a zoning violation or something. We we are just there for them to help them um, get through and navigate all the channels of government. That's great. Um, so, and interesting that it feels like we have to keep reinventing these kinds of structures. You know, there used to be, you know, whoever's representing your ward um, would be that person and they would have their committee. And so, uh, you know, likewise in the Democratic Party, we have this precinct committee chair um, structure, um, but now, you know, it feels like we keep reinventing it to make it work. So anyway, sorry, maybe another, maybe another day. <laughs> We'll talk about that. Yeah, I want yeah. to talk about you today. And I want to talk about uh, what you uh, are bringing to the Democratic Party. So um, I, uh, the election for you will be on March 20th, I believe. Is that yes. right? Yes. Okay, good. And so uh, when you are elected, um, I want to talk about, you know, what are your priorities? What do you think are the most important things that the Democratic Party needs to do to get Democratic candidates elected? Yeah, and knocking on wood uh, that everything uh, goes well. But my three priorities, um, day one, um, center around what I basically think are the basics um, that we need to get back to that I, I think have sort of not been priorities and we need to um, uh, go back and reassess how we're utilizing them. And one, it is messaging, getting control of our narrative. Um, and explaining it and stating it clearly um, in terms that anyone can digest uh, for where we want to go in the future. The second is party, local, county uh, support. 
trying to help retool up our county parties, our local parties, um, and making sure that they have the infrastructure to reach out to voters in their communities, um, and even uh, to folks on the other side of the aisle. And then the third is re, uh, regrowing our bench. And I say that because when you look at the current elected officials at the state house, Republicans have all statewide elected offices. Uh, they have a supermajority of both chambers in the state house. And they have a number of counties, commissioner, township trustees, and maybe even school board, even though school board districts are supposed to be nonpartisan. They have options and they have such a mechanism to where they can always bring people up through uh, from local to county, state, and send them possibly even to the federal level through U.S. Senator and as we have seen, Vice President, uh, former Vice President. So we need to start thinking of how are we going to recruit the next generation of diverse and inclusive Democrats uh, that are going to be in charge of all of this eventually and need to volunteer, organize, mobilize uh, not only candidates to run for office, but for folks to manage campaigns and volunteer and reach out to their neighbors so that way we can continue to get out the vote and get our message out and be able to do all the things we want to do uh, by winning races again, and getting the policies that we know are going to be beneficial to our Hoosiers. That's great. And so, um, I mean, I already can see why you are such a terrific candidate for, uh, to, to address those priorities. Um, being someone who's a community organizer for a living uh, and, you know, a community liaison, uh, I think you are in a good position to understand, first of all, how to uh, develop the proper messaging. Um, that is, we want everyone to understand what democratic values include. And much of that is being in the community, working with people in the community, finding people in the community where they are and bringing them into their, to the solution. And so, uh, so in that regard, I think you are uh, just a terrific candidate. Um, and likewise, um, helping with local uh, county democratic party organizations. Um, again, those are very grassroots uh, systems that really need um, outreach and really need uh, inclusion is what I found. I mean, I, I told you before we started that, you know, yeah. in my yeah. experience in the last year working with uh, 29 outstanding women Democrats um, who were trying to get elected to the state legislature, um, I really got familiar with a lot of uh, local county party chairs who just were not doing the job they needed to do. Um, they were not um, as inclusive as they needed to be. They were not organized as, not, as much as they needed to be. Um, and I will say, um, not as tech savvy as they needed to be. So, uh, which brings me, of course, to another, um, I think, attribute that you will really bring to the party, and that is your youth. <laughs> I know that you're now the vice chair of the Indiana Young Democrats. And, uh, you know, everyone is so impressed with the work that uh, this group has done. And, uh, and, of course, you bring this sort of, you know, uh, what do you call your, your techie natives? You know, you grew up uh, with technology and mm -hmm. are really much more familiar about that. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that, about the technology um, gap 
um, and, you know, the data gap, uh, you know, I mean, social media and how all of that um, could be, could benefit, you know, the Democratic Party. And, and, and Deborah, you touch on the key point of how it can be beneficial to the Democratic Party, because that's just how it's been for uh, us young Democrats um, by engaging um, in these uh, forms of technology and emphasis on data and and seeing how the environment is changing and how we need to adapt um, to it um, across the landscape as more and more people are going on to social media and getting their news um, through 140 characters. Uh, we need to be able to have, and going back to my previous points about like the messaging, making sure it's clear, simple, concise. Uh, this is how technology can be beneficial. Uh, when we started, uh, I think our current group of young Dems um, uh, about three years ago, post-Trump winning um, the election, there was this sense of like, we need to do something, especially here in Indiana. We need to start engaging where we kind of have some space to. And that was our organization, the Indiana Young Democrats. And from just getting this sense of we need to do something, then led to let's see what all we can get done, uh, which then led to us saying, hey, we're one to host the National uh, Young Democrats of America convention in Indianapolis, which was a it was a phenomenal experience to be uh, part of uh, the host committee uh, back in 2019. Um, which then has led to Indiana's chapter being one of the premier chapters um, across uh, the Young Dems of America. Because what we have found out that, one, we just need to adapt. We need to retool. We need to rebrand. Um, but also we need to be true to some values of honesty, accountability, uh, transparency, um, and this overwhelming tenacity to engage with ourselves and have tough conversations um, as a group um, instead of just handing it off to one person to make all decisions. Um, I would say even though like we have a structure to IYD, this is a team effort and all the amazing things we have been able to accomplish and continue to accomplish um, as you will see across Black History Month um, and going into uh, Women's History Month we, this team is incredible when you let people uh, do what they're good at. I, and I think that is a lesson to take for counties and local uh, parties and even our state party uh, to not sort of like just pass the whole entire torch off to us or we're going to snatch it away, but more so just engage with us and let us be part um of the solution and part of the ideas and just at the table um, on equal playing field uh, because we're here to get Democrats elected as well. Because uh, again, we know the policies that uh, the Democratic Party stands for are gonna make lives better, is gonna make communities better. Um, the Republicans talk about being the party of family values but yet their policies lead to economic turmoil and uh, inequality. And that is a message that we can champion and win on if we get it out there. So it takes 
again, getting a clear message and we know what our message can be. We know what we stand for. Let's let's put it out there instead of letting the GOP define it for us. Uh, let's get engaged with our counties again. And then let's recruit the next generation and not be afraid of change because I, I feel this party is going to be much stronger um, when we take care of those things and and we start preparing to grow this party and be a welcoming pot party as we always say we are. That's excellent. I you know I was able to get onto one of the Indiana Young Democrats uh, meeting. Nobody apparently you know looked at my ID. And so, so nobody knows I got on. And uh, I was so impressed with the enthusiasm uh, and the, I mean, just the number of people that showed up to a monthly meeting uh, was really incredible. And just the enthusiasm and the competency, everyone was, you know, doop -a -doop -a -doop doing their thing and uh, doing what they, um, you know, said they were going to do. Uh, and the Indiana Young Dems, I was happy to see had um, created their own caucuses uh, within the Young Dems, uh, including a women's caucus. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. Um, you know. So, um, you know, and I was very impressed with that. I mean, um, you know, this notion that, you know, women, you know, shouldn't, okay. Like I said, don't get me started on that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I, I guess I wanna know really um, uh, how, how are you gonna make this happen? This is, you know, this is a big project. Uh, number one, uh, the, you know, breaking through the communication barriers. Um, uh, again, one of the big takeaways from my experience last year was that, at least on the internet, um, it is impossible, it seems impossible to break through the echo chambers to uh, reach people who are not already Democrats. Um, so that's not going to happen on the internet. I don't, you know, unless someone comes up with some new cure for the echo chamber syndrome, um, I don't know how that's going to happen. So, um, so I want to know what your plan is for that. What is this really going to look like? You know, we took some good lessons from Georgia, um, mm -hmm. and they were just delightful. When you looked at some of the things they were doing, that I mean, just block parties and you know, and food truck festivals and everything on the ground in the community. And so, um, you know, do you think we can do that here? Definitely, and without a doubt. Um, and you know. Even before Georgia, I think uh, another key lesson that could be taken is from um, the Alabama Senate race uh, involving Doug Jones um, and how or different organizations for voter registration engage the black community much differently um, and really delved into like, what is the disconnect now? Because one of the strong forces in the past uh, for the black community used to, used to be the black church. You could go there, register folks um, and, and get them, but that's not the case today as generations are changing. Um, and so for me, I think uh, Alabama started it off and shown like what we can do, not just for the black community, but for different um, populations of people. And then Georgia really showed uh, a, a real statewide effort uh, to engage in that. And so I think one, um, our party on day one uh, needs to start reaching out one to, as we are reorganizing. Uh, and I think is the, the consensus is there to start having periodic calls among our different partners. Um, so that way we can all be on the same page with one another. Uh, I think two, we need to uh, start doing what 
<laughs> the Indiana Young Democrats do uh, and partnering up with different political organizations who aims or want to support um, and help provide information and training and knowledge uh, with campaigning for candidates um, and be a connecting uh, resource uh, for candidates on the ground and for national organizations. Um, and then, excuse me, I think one of the other things we need to look at is what we have that we can utilize. Going back to the previous point about having periodic uh, calls or communication touch touch in with our partners. Um, when you look at our party constituency caucuses, um, and this was a good point that was brought up last summer as we were um, putting our platform together. Um, it was brought up when we changed our platform around to encourage candidates to be a little bit more uh, thoughtful about how they engage communities of color and um, making sure that they uh, really know what it is um, that those communities are feeling and thinking and are wanting. Uh, uh, it, it came up with how are we gonna be able to reach those communities when they're so small and few? Uh, and somebody on, uh, on our state central committee brought up, well, we have all these constituency caucuses who know their communities. And then when you also look at it, we also have all these county parties who know their communities, whether they be urban, suburban, or rural. Um, so I think we need to open those lines of communication um, for more periodically. And it sounds very administrative and businessy, but we need to start putting everything on the table uh, so we can start winning races. So I think it's there. I think other people have shown it. Um, it may not look like Alabama. It may not look like Georgia. Uh, but it's definitely going to look like Indiana. Uh, and I think that is going to be a winning strategy. I agree. I think, um, you know, the structure, you know, I know, like you say, it sounds administrative-y, but um, there is a structure. You need a structure. And the structure isn't bad. It just needs to be utilized. Exactly. It needs to be implemented in a meaningful way so that, you know, as the uh, chairs go down to the congressional district chairs, go down to the county chairs, go down to the precinct chairs, that those structures are being used properly. Um, there, that there is, you know, some oversight, that there's mm -hmm. some accountability, and that there's some guidance um, for the, you know, for the, you know, the lowest rungs of that structure, some real guidance. Um, I know, mean, I can't exactly, tell you how many precinct yeah. chairs I've talked to who said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're doing with uh, Indiana Young Democrats. Like before, uh, a few years ago, we weren't having um, uh, periodic executive committee meetings. Like we would probably meet uh, a few times uh, a year and then just touch base. But we started realizing that in order for us um, to really one, uh, implement our own strategic plan and grow the organization, we need to have some stability uh, we need to have some uh, periodic communications and uh, touch-ins. Um, even with outside of our executive committees, we ha are having uh, periodic check-ins with our officers and caucus chairs, um, and engaging with what you need, with what they need, and uh, where they're stuck at. What challenges are they facing? What ideas do they have? Um, and it's not an idea that I thought of or somebody else. It's just it, it's yeah, just. A smart way of operating and uh, running a business or organization. 
Absolutely. And I will say, um, I'm, you know, uh, pleased to see your enthusiasm for the caucuses because uh, I always get the feeling that, you know, to the, to the party leadership, they were just kind of a burden, um, you know, instead of a resource, um, as you suggest. Um, and that's what they're supposed to be. They're exactly. supposed yeah, to be a yeah. way to communicate with particular constituencies. But instead, they were just kind of this burden that was like, oh, one more thing that the party's got to deal with. And hey, so, you know, for us, as, yeah, as for young Democrats, like diversity is just uh, diversity and inclusivity is just a thing that comes natural to where we want to make sure that groups um, are feeling representative uh, when they feel like they aren't uh, they're not being listened to or heard. Um, and so one of the ways we wanted to go further um, in those aspects were I, I, almost coming up a year ago when we rewrote our bylaws um, and reorganize our organization was to implement constituency caucuses. So that way different uh, demographic groups um, or key stakeholders in our party who we know have played uh, uh, key roles in getting candidates elected and um, supporting uh, the party, they feel like they have a space within our organization to um, get together, to think, to talk about ways that they can move the Democratic Party forward uh, and push for candidates that speak up for them. Mm -hmm. um, because what I found is like, it's not a burden um, to have people just get together within our organization and have that space and feel like an independent um, entity. So that way they can come to the table and have a seat at the table. Uh, and that's one key aspect. Not only do they are set up, um, as independent entities, but they have representation um, on our uh, executive committee um, and have a say um, in those regards. And what we have been finding is that we're getting more ideas as we have expanded access into our own organization and have been intentional, being proactive with engaging um, not only with our caucuses, but also making sure that our caucuses have resources themselves and can partner up with uh, key groups that are fighting for the same things that um, are important to their communities. And what we are seeing is that energy, once people can now start talking, stepping up, um, reaching out to um, folks, the energy is there, the enthusiasm is there. Um, and I think it's just gonna be smart politics um, because these groups, I kid you not, we have a Black caucus, a Labor caucus, Hispanic caucus, LGBTQ, faith-based environment. For me, those aren't groups who are um, owned by the Democratic Party. They are their own model. They are their own um, organizations and communities themselves. But what we need to start viewing voters as are all are, are across the board, each group um, have needs and desires as far as policies they want to see change. Okay, and James, now you have forced me into this corner of asking you, um, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if you know the history, um, uh, but that in 2018, I was at the Democratic Convention and was able to get um, you know, over 700 signatures in a few hours to get a resolution to the committee uh, to create a women's caucus on the Democratic Party, uh, which passed the resolutions um, committee and was incorporated into the platform uh, and was passed by the entire convention delegation, um, which then went to the state central committee and um, was kind of you know, flushed down the toilet. 
Um, so, you know, a heartbreaking um, experience, mm -hmm. frankly, for me and, um, and the women who came along and, and helped. And so I have to ask you, uh, you know, at the state central committee level, you know, would you support uh, the creation of a women's caucus? Yes. I mean, I've supported it for Indiana Young Democrats. Um, why would I not support it for our state central committee? And I say that one because um, I know one of the arguments uh, that came up from that was, well, we already have gender representation with the chair and vice chair. Okay. Go, go and there. Look, lame argument. Indiana Young Democrats have the same thing, and yet we still have a woman caucus as well. Of course. I mean, this notion that because there are women on the Central Committee that, you know, well, do they get together and talk about women's issues? No. Do they, and, and, you know, does anybody there, like, I mean, are women required on their own, you know, every other one of them to bring up women's issues? They, no, that is not, that is not how that process works. Yeah, I say that as a male who was born male and and no, just just from that, I can't speak on women's issues. I don't know from the experience myself, I can sympathize, but I won't be able to really know what women's issues are that face them. Just like a white person can't know what my experience is as uh, a black American and a black citizen in our society. So for them to say, or anyone to come up with the argument uh, that we don't need a women's caucus, it was just a hundred years ago in our nation's history that women even got the right to vote. And even then African-American women still weren't uh, treated as uh, full citizens. And even then it took years to get laws changed for sexual harassment in the workplace, uh, gender discrimination um, passed. So even though it's the 21st century, we're not out of the woods to a more perfect union yet. Oh no. I, you know, I, I, my, my heart breaks when I think of those women a hundred years ago who thought if only they could get the vote, they would be full and equal citizens. Um, and to, to find here we are, you know, a hundred years later with, you know, we don't have equal pay for equal work. Yeah. And, <laughs> you, know? and you know, something important I just thought about um, as, as, we, as we think about all these different groups um, and I know the whole topic of, oh, identity politics is being played, but what I have learned over these past three years with my colleagues and peers um, as young Democrats is not really identity politics to us. It's about celebrating the diversity uh, of our communities and uplifting those voices um, who weren't thought of originally when the uh, founding of this nation was commencing who weren't thought of um, as equal when the declaration was written or when the Bill of Rights uh, were passed and put in the constitution. Right. We, yeah, every, every strand has to be you know, celebrated mm -hmm. to make this beautiful multicultural thing work. And, and, and we say in the preamble of our constitution uh, to make a more perfect union that means we're going to have to put in the work and over time um, to stop and listen and see what it is that this country has done to wrong its own people and how can we fix it to get to where we say this is where we are this is what we are as a country and we're going to live up to it and keep our promise yeah well and giving giving each um, constituency a real voice 
-hmm. you know, that's, that's huge. That just gets you so far towards the goal of just, you know, just giving those constituencies a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, That means so much. So, all right. So we're almost out of time. And so um, this has just been wonderful talking to you. Um, I'm so impressed with everything you're doing and everywhere you can take us as a party. Um, And so, um, so I like to just ask at the end, um, any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share before we go? Uh, Yes, um, I would say, um, as I've uh, talked to folks um, about this race and about where the party needs to go um, and head towards, um, and as I look at some of the elephants in the room, uh, no pun intended, uh, with uh, discussions off the side about old versus young or the Evan by the O'Bannon generation versus the young dem generation. I would say to my peers as young folks and to um, the young at heart, um, we need each other. This is not a a fight about um, whose torch it is um, or who time it is. Uh, Because one is Democrats time. (laughs) Um, And if we can if we can really focus on getting Democrats elected, listening to um, all the communities that we say we represent and will stand for and fight for and give them the space and time to tell their own narrative within our party, um, um, I think we're gonna start seeing uh, this ruby red state get a, a little bit closer to, if not becoming blue, a little bit more purple. That's great. Well, and I, you make me so hopeful, James. So uh, they thank you for that. Thank <laughs> so, you. Right. Thank you. So good luck. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope everything goes well. And I look forward to working with you. Uh, thank you, Deborah. In the future. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you.